in our next breath exists heaven in that moment in time, in all space, including throughout all aspects of our incarnation. Nothing and no one can disturb that state within our soul and our heart. And yet we are in a constant state of some disturbance, not realizing this as we ascertain within us and all around us. Where is heaven? Could it possibly be so? It can't possibly be so. Not now in this moment, not here. Maybe never and nowhere, depending on our state of aspiration or suffering based upon our history <clears throat> and the shared history of our parents, ancestors, cultures, and of the human race and of creation. And so when a baby is coming, the first job of the parents is to create a discerning next breath in each of themselves and for the first breath of their to-be-born babe everywhere. How should we form a pearl of this new child coming to the earth? Well, I would answer that the most effective way and the most truthful way would be to allow the silken thread of God's weaving of the path of that child, every breath, everywhere, as best we are able. And yet what that would cause us to do is bring forward in ourselves and in one another, the parents, everything still in the shadow, everything not yet awake, everything not yet present, every aspect facing the next breath of what if it's not safe? What if there's not heaven? What if I can't find it? What if we fail? What if something happens to the child? So let's investigate that shadow because this is the single most controlling aspect of agreement in the human race for why we don't exist as enlightened beings everywhere and always. As we become a pearl or a seed of God from some beautiful plant from any one of the continents of the earth or a beautiful aspect of the earth itself, a stone of some rock or semi-precious material from anywhere upon the earth carved or honed or tumbled into a bead and pierced with a, an awl or a needle or a drill so that a thread might pass through it and it could be strung on a mala or rosary of seed pods, of beads, of pearls. If we allow that the silken thread passing through all of our souls is the same, it's literally the same thread of the silken floss of God's path for each one of us. And what we tend to do in our breath and in the depth of the heart chakra and the soul, the areas where oneness is experienced, 
we tend to stop and afflict ourselves. I'm not a pearl yet. You know, God will leave me just like at my conception or birth or the places where I couldn't fully find him. Or I couldn't fully find her because I'm not enough and then we denigrate ourselves. Or because of my mother and all that was wrong with her, she the inadequate seed pod, bead, pearl. Or my father, he the inadequate everything, nothing, seed pod, stone, pearl. My ancestors are yours. And what we do is we declare that I cannot experience oneness yet until it is fully safe everywhere. For me to exist so universally that I can know the mystery of that thread moving as one through the hearts and souls of all of us. And of course, that's really not the path. In the heart and soul of each being is one's own relationship with the Godhead, with the universe. And yet, when that meets between two of us, we recognize and bow to that, or we know that we are children of one love. One love. Yet we are two incarnations. When we do have the grace to experience this, we realize that we are turning to that in one another. And then the most exquisite experience occurs. God reveals to one or both of us some inspiration about the next breath into the next moment here in the two of us. So that we who are one and we who are two create and sustain and let move into the Holy Spirit everywhere that is. The gesture of that love embodied, that is our path. That has always been our path. That is our path. That will always be our path, we human beings. And what happens in each of us is we feel a hesitancy in the heart chakra and in the soul because we can't find how to control the next breath so that we know for certain we will go on beyond that breath. Interestingly, we don't know that anyway, but we assume based on our history and our relative health and our heritage of ancestry or longevity from our, our ancestral lines, we assume, well, the next breath will be safe if I follow their map. But they only know part of the way. And the way they know has been crafted in their lives through their dedicated work and curiosity and questions and diligent practices or their avoidance of diligent practices to try to see us safe at least as long as they were able to live in the, in the geographies of their lifetimes. And we extrapolate that map to try to form the pearl of ourselves. But in every next breath, the mystery of God is the map. And in our ancestry, in our own memory, conscious and unconscious, exists 
discernment of what to do. It's very cold. I need to give my friend a sweater. I have four. Why wouldn't I let them borrow two? Rather than have them have frostbite and have us be cozy and warm with two other sweaters hanging in our closet or our bag. Many of us will stand and watch a friend suffer rather than let them be as warm as we are. Others will say, here, you take two sweaters. It's all right. I'll sacrifice myself. And yet the heritage into the present moment, into the shared aspiration of God in each of us would be the caretaking of the other incarnation and ourselves as best we can so that in that discernment we take the next breath innocently allowing God to enter the hearts and souls of both of us together of each of us as individuals yet both of us as one entrusting in that friendship that the mystery of God will arise excuse me when we aspire to this and practice this, the divine always allows us to realize what was shadow into light, invisible light, ineffable light, numinous light, a light that can be named only as divine. We can walk through a crowd of people and if on occasion we are gifted to experience a being with such light present in any aspect within them or around them. <coughs> Excuse me. We have a quality of wonder. We recognize that light. That light is home. Oh, the light of heaven. It is partially here on earth in that being over there. Or in that loved one within my own home and family, or within myself. And then, out of the shadow, not only is that light present, but if we are disciplined enough or pure enough in our alignment or our intention, our integrity, our love for heaven, for God, for that great one, he, she, that, that cosmic domain. Not only do we experience that pure, transcendent light, we also experience the sound of God through the silence. Not silence itself, but the sound of only God through the silence. And everything in us as a human being knows itself as a child of that and either has the courage and willingness and love to embody that light and sound through ourselves as the next breath. And then we are one more breath toward becoming a pearl of God, a seed of heaven, a quality of mercy embodied through the power that is God. And we have a quality of knowingness. And the mind is like an open window when this happens. We are just receiving this. 
So the feminine part of all of us is receiving this. And then the masculine part or active part is able to enact this as a pearlized luster of who we are as a man, woman, person, child, babe, elder that has never been here before of heaven on earth. This would be embodying love as the shadow into light, as the sound of reaction into the listening and the song of God as oneself. There is nothing which will ever bring you a greater contentment than this practiced. And whether understood or not, embodied for the sake of all beings, all of humanity, all plants and animals, all of creation, everywhere and always. Then what begins to happen is who one is develops an internal signature, which we know. Other beings touch against it. Who is that? What do they want? What does this mean? Why is there this feeling around them that makes me upset or inspired or unnerved? Well, what the other person is doing is feeling that they are stimulated to let go of everything that is enshadowed within them. So all throughout our history, when we awaken or study any practices of spiritual development, we are calling forward a recapitulation of who we've been. A great deal of the current modality, we're speaking of this in the autumn of 2021 in the Northern Hemisphere, spring of 2021 in the Southern Hemisphere. There's a great deal of what I call cancel culture. It's a common nomenclature out in our media of our global society where a person will come in with a concept and another person will denigrate that and cancel it. A professor will teach a subject he or she or they know very deeply and be told, you're wrong. I don't like that book. Even though you're tenured, we'd like you to be fired now. And then the other person in their shadow takes over, in their own shadow takes over from what they perceived was a shadow in the other being. <clears throat> it's like two pearls facing each other and saying, the suffering the oyster went through to form you was not correct or adequate, but the suffering the oyster went through to form me, you know, was great. So my tribe wins, my oyster wins, my mother, father, my way I dress, my way I think. These 10 books succeed, those 20 don't. And then a young person turning to the two pearls can't find a strand upon which they belong because frankly, they're not allowed to belong to either pearl. They're not from the same family. It's a constant competition, a catharsis of toxicity. Why? Because we're trying to find which pearl is dominant. But one human being in reality is not dominant over another. We are all side by side in the divine. The only creation and judgment comes from 
the creator itself, he, she, that. And yet we argue, well, if you do this, I might have a lesser place. Well, if you do this, it's just wrong according to me. And a huge percentage of what we are meant to do never occurs because we're paying complete attention to other beings and what we feel is inadequate within them. So an oyster exists in nature and sees all across the earth, or an oyster is cultivated on a pearl farm, and a tiny seed is placed inside of it. It might be a little piece of shell. A little tiny piece of oyster shell is commonly used. Sometimes a piece of plastic or another kind of stone is placed. <clears throat> and a little instrument is used to force the oyster, the edges of the oyster shell slightly apart to put that little piece of shell or stone or plastic inside the flesh of the pearl, of the oyster pearl's body. This causes the oyster suffering. And then the oyster is irritated chronically by that entry point of something not God-given, not naturally existent within the oyster, until it coats over and over and over again with what's called nacre, the substance which is luminous, light-reflecting, silken, not irritating to the beautiful flesh of the oyster. And when it has grown enough months or years, it opens up and the oyster may move in such a way that the pearl falls out of it into the sea. Or it just lives sustaining that growing pearl within itself until it dies of old age. Or at an oyster farm, <clears throat> the oysters are cultivated after various periods of months or years according to the size in millimeters the pearl farmers would like the oysters to grow to be. And Mr. Mikimoto in Japan is the first person to have cultivated uh, cultured pearls in the 19th century in Japan. The quality of the nature of the pearl can be different hues, different levels of clarity. So one strand of my pearls are very clear, very symmetrical, beautiful luster. And yet I'm aware that if we counted how many pearls are on that strand, that many oysters gave their lives that I could wear that necklace. Every time I see that strand of pearls, I'm aware that the silken thread upon which they're strung and there's a little knot tied in the silk in between each pearl so that they don't hit together. So a human being had to string them and tie each of those knots. Every time I see them, I'm aware of the pearls and what they underwent. And my own life is such an offering, really. So are all of ours. May I be such a pearl that the strand of silk upon which my mother's life was threaded by God is fulfilled in eternity for her, for all of my family, for all of humanity, for all of creation.
And the other strand of pearls I have is <clears throat> very beautiful and they're called Baroque. They're uneven. So the pearls which form them are no longer done. They're done sometimes in the world, but this particular one is about almost 40 years old. And uh, I had someone tell me years ago, oh, this is the most amazing strand. They don't really have these anymore. We're all too impatient to grow them. So these were probably grown at a pearl farm on little pieces of shell inside of oysters. And rather than forming in a smooth way, they're each irregular, parts of them smooth and parts of them uh, with little angles and areas that kind of jut out and are uneven. So the luster is beautiful and multifaceted, multicolored, kind of an ivory color with little bits of white and copper and it's just beautiful. So in the same way, we could count how many pearl oysters gave their oyster pearl, how many pearl oysters gave their lives, lived and then died, cut open with the pearls taken out, either cut open and then discarded or eaten, so that I could have this strand of pearls. May the silken floss that passes through my life represent resolving the soul of my father and all of my family and all of humanity and all of life and creation, always and everywhere. So some years ago, <clears throat> I was quietly at home and I experienced the pearl oysters of the world expressing their suffering. I had to sit down, I was aware. Wow, I had no idea they suffered so much. I had not known. I apologized to them. I contemplated, how will I ever wear my pearls again? And then I just let them rest for a long time, probably two years. And then I was aware that which my mother and father have undergone in life, perfect and imperfect, in what they could realize of shadow into light of God and sound of God back into itself as harmonious gestures of embodied love. The parents, the oysters that form these pearls have also undergone in their lives. May I wear my strands of pearls in my own living prayer that all beings be able to realize that great light that is one of which all of us are made. That sound of the spheres, that celestial sound of the spheres through which all is one. So that in our spiritual hearts and souls, and in every part of the composite that forms us as a human being. When we pull away in shadow to ask, who is he? Who is she? What do they want? Rather than having our mind create an image that is separate from the light, may our minds go toward the light 
to realize, oh, you of God and me of God. Listen. Oh, my goodness, as I receive this in light and sound that is embodied love, I become born of that. I'm not dying. I'm not less than. I'm not going away. I am becoming a veritable pearl of God. That the oceans of grace transform my thoughts, my character, all the layers of my aura and chakras, my emotional body, the etheric body like the tree bark right around me, right into the very cells of my body, so that as I breathe into the next moment, I am the willing vessel, the Holy Grail, receiving the Messiah that has been waiting for the cup of our lives to safely show the entire human race, ah yes, it is time, here, now, everywhere, child of God.